Philistine army had gathered for war against Israel. The two armies faced each other, camped for battle on opposite sides of a steep valley. The Philistines had a champion called Goliath, who was over nine feet tall and who wore full, seemingly impenetrable armour and carried a huge pointed spear. For 40 days, Goliath came out mocking and challenging the Israelites to fight. Saul, the king of Israel, and his whole army cowered in dismay and terror. One day, the young David was sent to the battle lines by his father to bring provisions for and bring back news of his brothers who were in the Israelite army. While there, David heard Goliath shouting his daily defiance, saw the Israelites fleeing in fear, and something stirred within him. He responded, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? Saul heard about this, and so David was brought before him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from youth. But David was undeterred and told Saul how he had killed wild animals while protecting his father's sheep. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul agreed and dressed David in his armour. But David took off Saul's armour and weapons because he was not used to them. So, dressed in his simple tunic, carrying his shepherd's staff, sling and a pouch full of stones, David approached the fully armed Goliath. The giant cursed at him, hurling threats and insults. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As Goliath moved in for the kill, David reached into his bag and slung one of his stones at Goliath's head. Finding a hole in the armour, the stone sank into the giant's forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. David then took Goliath's sword, killed him, and then cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. The Israelites pursued, chasing and killing them and plundering their camp. Thus David overcame the giant in the name of the Lord. I am a man discovering destiny. I am a father leaving a legacy. I am the king of Israel. I am David. Thank you and a big, big welcome to everybody watching Cambridge, Leicester, in Peterborough, particularly if you're new or you've come back from Father's Day. We're in a, a new series called I Am David and today we've got the great subject of how to overcome your giants. You know that all of us face giants in life, giant-sized problems. Here in the story, it's a literal giant. 
This guy called Goliath, first he's big. How many think over nine feet tall is big? And then he's also strong. He's fully clothed in impenetrable armor or seemingly impenetrable armor. He's got this great big massive spear with a sharp point. And he's also intimidating. A lot of the war that's going on is a war of words and he's taunting and cursing the Israelites. This produces two opposite responses. One is the response of fear. Saul and the Israeli armies cower in fear against this big giant. As a result, they're paralyzed into inaction. The other, of course, is that we see this young guy called David who wasn't even supposed to be at the battle. He was just coming from uh, his father's sheep to bring supplies to um, his brothers in the army. But because he was a man of God and a man of faith, he came and he not only killed the giant, but as a result of his victory, the whole of the armies of Israel won because David won and God got much glory. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? It's encouraging. Uh, and in case some of you are wondering, we now live not in an Old Testament era, but in the New Testament. And we're not out seeking literal giants. And we're not talking about fighting physical battles. But there's an acknowledgement that there are still giants in the land today. Giant-sized problems that we all face. And we have two um, opposite responses. We can either say like Saul and the Philistines, hey, he's too big. We can't overcome. Or we can look at the giant-sized problems in our lives and say, they're so big, we can't miss. Amen. God is greater than every giant you and I are going to face. And that's the point of this story. Our God is greater than every single giant. And the giants in your life may be personal right now. You may be facing a, a giant of sickness or financial pressure. Maybe the giant is in the guise of problems in your family, problems at work or lack of work, problems of relationship or lack of relationships. Maybe there's inner giants. You're facing discouragement or fear or intimidation or lust or pride or jealousy. Maybe there's battles that you're seeing and giants you're aware of in other people's lives. I'm sure all of us would agree that in a post-Brexit world, there is a major giant of fear and uncertainty right now in our land. Uh, I, somebody uh, gave me a, a text, a little quote from A.W. Tozer. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. And, you know, we often can focus on the giants of political and economic uncertainty. If we look at the world at large, poverty and human trafficking and injustice. But I want to tell you, there's a bigger giant than all of those. And particularly in the UK and in Europe, it's the giant that's been stalking our land for many years. And it's a, a giant who's coming to turn away people from the living God. And we need to come against that giant. And we need to pray for a move of God in our day and in our time. And like David, something needs to rise up in us of indignation and say, it's time for our nation and the nations to come back to God. Can I have an amen? And you say, well, I don't feel like a natural warrior. In fact, I feel a bit timid. All this talk about giants and battles. And I'm not sure I can overcome giants. 
I want to give you courage here today because you have a better position than David did. David is here as the champion, taking on the Philistine champion and winning. But we know if we fast forward the story, that centuries later, there's one who was born, who was a descendant of David, who was born of the line of David, who became known as the son of David. His name is Jesus Christ. And he came in perfection, representing God as he was and is, the Son of God. And he dealt with the greatest giant um, that exists, Satan. And through his life, his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension, he once and for all nullified and dealt with the power of that ultimate giant. And therefore, when we come to face the battles of life, if we're Christians, we can be confident that we can overcome. Why? Because in the words of Romans 8, verse 37, it says, Knowing all these things, no matter what giants we're facing, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, we can be on the front foot, right? We can deal with the giants of life because we know ultimately our victories are based on his ultimate victory. So with that in mind, how do we overcome our giants? Well, simply, we need to be like David and obviously be like Jesus. And we overcome with faith, with faith. What is faith? Faith is simple trust or confidence in God and his word. It's simple faith and confidence that no matter what we face in life, our God is greater than every giant that we're going to face. Personal, church-wise, community-wise, international, our God is greater than every giant. Well, I'm going to preach happy, and I'd like you to join with me in Jesus' name. Amen. We're declaring some truth here today. Three areas that we need to see faith operating in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. In our thoughts, our words, and actions. If we're going to be people who overcome the giants, we need, number one, faith-filled thoughts. You see, the battle that we have to face, often the first battle that we have to win is an internal battle in our hearts and in our minds. This is true in life. Um, I heard a story from the Christian psychologist Henry Cloud, and he talked about how they did an experiment, and they had two groups of people. They selected a group of naturally brilliant people and another group of people who were naturally less able. But this first group of naturally brilliant people had a defeatist can't-do mentality. Basically, they thought they couldn't make it. And the other group of less gifted, less able people had a can-do attitude, and they believed they could achieve things. And they put an experiment together. Guess which group one hands down every time. The can-do people. And if that's so, so in life, our inner attitudes, our inner thoughts make a huge difference. When we come to this story and we apply it into our lives as Christians, it's not so much that we have a can-do attitude in our ability. We have faith in God and in His power and His ability, and it makes all the difference. Yeah, you see, Saul and the armies of God, armies of Israel, basically spent their get their time focusing on the giant. 
Can I say, if you spend all your time looking at the giants, you're going to end up being defeated? I mean, let's just take, you know, I mean, I like to stay up with what's happening in the world, you know, watch the news, newspapers. But if we fill our minds all the time with nothing, nothing but focusing on what's going on, it can cloud our minds to the fact that there is one who is greater than every giant who ultimately rules the nations and has the future in his hand. Amen. It's a choice of what we fill our mind with. And so what Saul and the armies of Israel did was they, they, they'd lost sight of God. All they saw was the giant. That they were overcome by fear because of what their minds were filled with. It's kind of like they say, help, who's this giant? David comes on the scene, young guy, no armor. But he has a faith attitude. And he comes and rather than saying, help, who is this? He says, who is this? <laughs> there's, there's indignation. You see... Can I say that they saw the same giant? Faith is not trying to pretend that the problems aren't there. Yeah, if you've got a problem, we have problems, we have problems in the world. It's not a question of burying our head under the sand and denying reality. Can I have an amen from somewhere? That's not what faith is. Faith doesn't deny the problem. David was not denying Goliath's existence. What he was indignant about was here, was a giant. But not so much a giant. He calls him, what does he call him? An uncircumcised Philistine. If you want to insult somebody, just, no, no. It's kind of a strange kind of thing to say, isn't it? I won't go into all the whole circumcision deal. Too painful even to think about. But what David knew, and in the context of the Old Testament, was that circumcision for the Israelites of the day was it meant that they were in covenant with the living God, with Yahweh. David knew that there wasn't an issue. That this guy may have been nine feet tall, fully armed and threatening. But I tell you, against God, who's the living God and the only true and living God, he says nothing. So, Goliath, so David wasn't denying Goliath existed. He was denying his right to come against God and the armies of God. There was indignation. Amen. Sometimes you need to come against things and say, I'm not denying this situation. I'm not denying this fear. I'm not denying what's going on in somebody else's life. But I tell you, sometimes I find as a pastor, when I hear about stuff that's going on in, 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 in people's lives, it's some indignation rises up in me and say, how dare this thing operate in the lives of the people of God? These are the armies of the living God. This is our inheritance. Back off, Goliath, in Jesus' name. We need to have that sense of, indignation here in the name of the living God. I love this. Actually, notice here, David is more concerned for God's honor than he is about anything else. And I think sometimes we need to have an attitude of God. The number one goal in our life is that you're glorified even more than wanting to be free from stuff. We, we are indignant because your name is being dishonored. And that's the spirit that Goliath comes against, uh, David comes against Goliath. But the question is, okay, so here you've got a giant. And we all face giants. What's the giant you're facing? What's the, the thing that's most dominating you? What's the thing you're most aware of, causing you fear and distress? David doesn't turn up and suddenly think, I've got to be positive, I've got to be positive, I've got to be positive, I've got to be... No, no. He is positive. He is full of faith. 
You say, well, how do you get to the point where you see an uncircumcised Philistine and everyone else is seeing a big, hairy, scary giant? Well, I don't know whether he was hairy, but you get the picture. It's a change of perspective, isn't it? Can I say a change of perspective doesn't happen in a moment. It happens through a habit of a lifetime. That was better than the response there. It, it comes through preparation and training. David didn't just get to the moment with Goliath and think, aha, I see this guy in the light of who God is. David had obviously spent his early years. We don't know how long. We don't exactly know in what way. But clearly, by the time he gets to Goliath, he has trained himself to focus on and Yahweh and develop his relationship with God. And if you look at the Psalms, the sort of Old Testament hymn book, many of them were written by David. You see a wealth of a, here's a man who's developed his relationship with God. Can I say it's so important that we train ourselves and we fill our minds with the truth of who God is. When you're constantly meditating on the greatness of God and worshipping him and in his word, it prepares you for facing giants. I don't remember, but this time last year, in fact, it was last summer, we did a whole series on the Psalms. And we called it Soundtrack for Life. One of the Psalms we looked at was Psalm 27. This is a Psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's not saying there aren't things to be afraid about. He's saying knowing that the Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my stronghold. Therefore, I will not fear. He's doing something with the inner soundtrack of his life. Karen uh, preached a message on this psalm last summer and particularly dealt with the whole subject of overcoming fear and had a lot of feedback at the time. Um, short while ago, had an email in from a young woman who had said that she'd come to the morning, although she'd been a Christian for many years, she had two major fears in her life. One was the fear of driving. One was as a mum, she was fearful for her four-year-old uh, daughter. And she said that as Karen started speaking, Psalm 27, something started to happen. And she started getting set free from those fears. And then she went on a journey. How many know sometimes to get fully and finally free, it takes a journey? There's moments, there's miracles, and then there's a process. This is a short extract from uh, this young woman's email. She said, I remember so clearly what you spoke about that morning and have listened online again since. I love to worship and fill my head constantly with worship songs as I have my driving lessons and that I'm no longer a slave to fear phrase goes round and round in my head. What's she doing? Filling her mind with faith-filled thoughts. She continues, literally, the whole soundtrack to my life has changed. And because of that, I feel that I can live the life God intended for me. She's been set free from her fears. And we just had a follow-up email. She's just passed a driving test. Praise God. But you notice what's going on. There's an internal battle between what she, she was previously... That the giant of fear was bigger. Now she's building up her faith in God and in his greatness and replacing fear 
with um, faith-filled thoughts. And you may be here today and there may be, you may be suffering from fear. Well, I believe there's going to be a moment and all our centers, wherever we are, I believe something's going to happen as the word is being proclaimed, as we respond after, there's going to be some giants and fear and intimidation going to come off the people of God. But we need to go from this place and change the soundtrack of our life so that our minds are constantly filled with God's thoughts. And it may be that, you know, fear's not the issue for you. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's comparing yourself with others, not help, can I say, by social media. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you're battling with lust. Be like David. And let's develop and change the inner soundtrack of our lives through worship, through the word, through prayer. I mean, let, let's make the most of this, this teaching series on David. You, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of staggered at how some of God's people <laughs> just think that they can maybe turn up to church once a month and that's fine. There's too much rubbish going on during, during the rest of our lives. We have to prioritize the word of God and gathering together. Can I have an amen? We have to do this. And then it's not even enough. We align our minds. We align our lives at the start of the week by gathering together and hearing the word. But we're conscious that it takes more than that to have a renewed mind. We need to constantly fill our minds. That's why we read the, encourage you to read the Bible every day. And during this season, we want to just encourage you, why not get into the story of David? In these Sunday messages, we're only able to look at highlights and headlines because it's such a long story. So we put together this reading plan. Why not do the background reading before the week and dig into the, the story of David? Let's be people, come on, who are going to overcome our giants. Let's fill our minds with faith-filled thoughts. Amen. There's a second thing we need to do. We need to fill our minds and our hearts with faithful thoughts. But secondly, we need to fill our mouths with faith-filled words. Do you know there's incredible power in words? One of the silliest modern-day sort of sayings <laughs> um, is, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many know that's absolute rubbish? And David knew that. In fact, the, the Bible, the true word of God, the true proverb says, Proverbs 18, I think it's verse 21, says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And David knew this. So he didn't just turn up with a renewed mind. He turned up speaking differently to what everyone else was speaking. You say, why is that important? It's important because very often faith is is waiting to be, if you like, activated through, through the words of our mouth. You know, when you become a Christian, you don't just believe in your heart and think, yes, I agree with the message. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so we need to realize that when we're dealing with Goliath, Goliath will come, the giants will come, and like this literal giant, very often it will be intimidating. How do you had a season in your life, I know I have, when literally you felt like you were being bombarded by intimidating thoughts? It was just me. The five of you who need this point, let me carry on. But we overcome these negative thoughts very often by having to speak out God's word and God's truth. 
We say, no, no, that's, that, that's a lie. I come against it in the name of Jesus. And, and you see, David spoke immediately words of faith when he came on the scene. Now, again, what we need to realize is he's not trying to, he's not into, the, he's suddenly I've got to be in positive confession because Goliath's here. He's meditated on the word, so it's what comes out of him. How many know what's in you will normally come out of you? He trained himself. So again, if we look at the Psalms, we see David has developed a habit of even speaking to himself. I've said for years, but it is really the first sign of spiritual sanity. You have to talk to yourself truth. You have to sometimes get a hold of yourself and say, get out of that negative spiral of thinking. And here we see one of my favorite Psalms of David. I could use many examples. Psalm 103 verse 1 to 2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Who's he talking to? Himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless and all that is within me. Come on, David. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Maybe the soul wasn't listening first time. And forget not all his benefits. And he starts recounting the blessings of God. Guess who's benefiting from that little stuff going on there, that talking to stuff. Guess who's being changed? David is. David's changing himself through the words of his mouth. Can I tell you this is so important? And can I say it's probably quite an un-British thing? Because we can either... We either underplay stuff. You know, you ask people how they're doing, and even if they're doing great, often it's not too bad. So, it's, And even the thing of actually expressing and declaring, it can seem unnatural. But I want to tell you, it's very powerful spiritually. You have to train yourself to speak out God's word. That's why we praise, isn't it? Don't you just love that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear? Isn't something released when you say that? I am a child of God. As you sing it, something's registering. You're being changed. But also, when we come to spiritual warfare and we come to dealing with giants, real giants get taken out partly as we speak against them. Yeah? Again, David's not. If you look at his life and look at the Psalms, David doesn't deny problems. In fact, if you look at the Psalms as we did last year, He's got to be one of the most honest prayers and praisers in, in the whole of Scripture. Very often he, he talks about, in, in agony before God, about where he's at. So I'm not, we're not talking about pretending there's not a Goliath, pretending it's all fine. But he often can, even so, some of the Psalms of lament, where he's going through a real kind of tough time. Sometimes he'll start with the problem, but he ends up with, invariably, praise to God. Can I say, we mustn't just speak about the giants, we've got to speak to the giants in Jesus' name. And that's what he does here. Constantly he's speaking out, he's declaring his faith in Yahweh. I love it. Just before um, he comes to actually um, kill Goliath, notice he leads out with words. Goliath is cursing him. Goliath is trying to curse him in the name of his God, but look what David's doing. And he's probably speaking to himself to encourage himself. Oh, there's this big giant. But I believe he's also definitely speaking against Goliath. And he says this, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you. In the name of the Lord Almighty. Notice there he's speaking in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel. That continues, this day, 
The Lord will deliver you into my hands and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. That's, it. That's what he's motivated. He said that everyone will know that God is God because of what he's about to do to you. And then he says this, for the battle is the? The battle is the? The battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Now, I remember you know, as a young Christian and as Karen and I were in the early days of our marriage, we realized that if we were to ever fulfill the, the destiny of God, and this is a series, the first part of this series about discovering your destiny, we had to d- and fight some internal battles. And we, we discovered partly through scriptures like this, that part of the battle was going to be won as we agreed with God and his word and kept our mouths in line with his truth. And rather than speaking, spending all our time think, speaking about the giants, we, speak, we spoke to the giants in prayer before God. Some of you need to learn to do that. You need to train yourself uh, to, to, to speak God's word. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I love the Lord's Prayer. We've done this series. I trust you benefited from it. I know I have. My, my prayer life has, has grown stronger again through that. But one of the things I love about the prayer, and we've said it before, is it doesn't start by focusing on our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't start by focusing on our sins. Forgive us our sins. It doesn't start foc- by focusing on temptation, lead us not into temptation, or the enemy, deliver us from the evil one. Where does it start? What's, how, how did Jesus teach us to focus? When you pray, say our Father in heaven, and then what? Hallowed be your name. And if you were to track through, and I'd encourage you to go back and read this story. Notice the number of times that David is declaring or speaking about or, or um, making confessions about God and his name. It's all the way through there. He declares, this is the living God. He's Yahweh. He's our covenant God. Goliath, you haven't got a chance. Because God is God. He's declaring all the time. And I love this Lord's Prayer. And I'd encourage you, if you're still not doing it, on a daily basis. Don't first think about problems. Don't first fill your mind with stuff. Focus on the Lord. And even in prayer, make sure you're not just praying your problems. Start by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I can't tell you the number of times when I come to that part of the prayer and even just declaring out the name and the nature and the, of God, things change. Why don't we right now just do a little bit of a practice, wherever you're gathered, wherever you're watching, you know, in a, ter- in a time of turmoil that we're facing, why not let's just declare, you are my peace. Why don't we say that? Lord, you are my peace. Come on. Lord, you are our banner. Lord, you are our shepherd. Hallelujah. Lord, you're our provider. Lord, you are our healer. Train yourself. Do you, do you notice what happens? Something changes. It's not just mind over matter. This is we're releasing the truth of who God is into the atmosphere of our lives and our world. Let's, let's fill our minds with God's thoughts, faith-filled thoughts. Let's fill our mouths with faith-filled words. And then thirdly, we need to, if we're going to overcome our giants, we need to have thirdly, faith-filled actions. Say actions actions. You see, we do need to think right. We do need to speak right about God. 
But David had to also act in order to kill Goliath. Do you know sometimes the only way you're going to take out a giant is by action? David had to get the sling and shoot the stone. He did it in the name of God, by the power of God, but David had to do it. And can I say this? Certain giants are only going to be taken out if we will actually act under the anointing of the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. Can I say, generally speaking, history is not changed by passivity in inactivity. It's changed by people who are front foot and proactive and are not prepared just to let giants run amok. And so this message isn't just about us overcoming our problems and our giants. I want to tell you that there are certain things that God is calling us as his church to rise up and in his name with love and compassion and faith take on because as a result of us taking giants out, a whole lot of people are going to get blessed. Amen. There are certain giants that if you will defeat, it will be good for your family and for your children and for your children's children. Had a story recently of a lady who was really struggling in her marriage and she heard a word recently on the Lord's Prayer series and suddenly got convicted and said, I have to make the right choice for the sake of my children and my children's children. Do you know the choices you and I make can release many others. I'm so glad that, um, you know, we're, in our history, we have great men and women who've changed history. I, I'm particularly, I, I think of William Wilberforce, one of my favorite characters, who over 200 years ago saw the giant of slavery and said, I'm going to take that giant on. When everyone else said it couldn't be done, everyone else said, don't take it on. He persevered along with many others. And as a result, he took down a giant. Yeah. And some of you may be called to engage with some of the major issues of our day, including, can I say, present-day human trafficking or poverty or injustice. And all of us of the people of God are called to rise up in faith and in word and deed spread the good news of Jesus Christ that many other people might get blessed. We've got to take action. But again, the question is, how did David have the boldness to face this mighty giant. I mean, you know, here he is, un, unarmed, facing this, this super guy with armor and a big spear. The answer is, as we've seen already, is he didn't just turn up and have a pop. He was confident that he was going to win. Why? If you look at the story, David says, when he's before King Saul, Saul says, you can't take him on. Dave says, don't, Dave says, don't worry. He's not being arrogant. He says this, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. In other words, there's a, there's a, there's a backstory here. There's, a, there's some private battles that David has already won. I mean, here he is. He's out on the hillside. Sometime, we don't know when, before the Goliath story, and the whole nation isn't watching. We don't know, but it's likely that the only people who saw that, those battles against the wild animals were the wild animals, the sheep who were the crowd. Bah, well, David, bah. 
and God. Every single one of us have private battles that we have to fight and win. And can I say they're not necessarily small? How many think that in the natural, overcoming a lion and a bear, that wasn't small? But it was private. As I look back at our lives and I think there have been many private battles we've had to fight and win. Don't expect just to come against Goliath without fighting the private battles first. Can I say Jesus, as well as David, was our pattern. Do you know where Jesus first overcame the devil? In the wilderness. In his humanity, I mean. What did he do? He was out in the wilderness. What does that mean? Who was there? The devil, Jesus, and then eventually some angels. And so when he then comes into his public ministry and starts destroying the works of the devil, preaching, healing, and deliverance, he's already had a victory. So my question is, you may be facing right now some private battles. Don't think they don't matter. Learn to overcome right now. You say, I want to change the world and serve Jesus. Well, get on a serving team and turn up and be a blessing and just do the little things well. Well, I want God to bless me and I want to be a generous person and I want to resource kingdom projects, just tithe. Well, I want to be somebody who makes a great difference in history. Develop self-control. I want to overcome, overcome your anger. I want to go around all the world and make a difference for Jesus. Go next door and make sure you bless the person that Jesus told you to bless. I want to be used in ministry. Love your wife. Do you want me to keep going or is it getting a bit closer to the knuckle? Private battles really matter. And that's what we see in the, the story of David. So the question is, where do you need to step, step out and be proactive? Maybe you're in the private battle season and there are, if you like, equivalent of wild animals that you've got to deal with. Maybe you are literally are facing Goliath. Can I tell you, Goliath and the wild animals won't be taken out through passivity or fear. You've got to rise up in the name of Jesus. I know that God has anointed you. God has called you through his son to be an overcomer. And if we look at David, he took action and he won in an unexpected way. Saul thinks, well, if you're going to fight, at least you're going to wear proper armor and my weapons. And David gets rid of them and says, I can't deal with this. I'm not used to this. So he goes out, simple shepherd's garb, stones and a sling against this fully armed, massive giant. And I think it, just an aside, but an important side point. If you and I are going to fulfill our destiny and overcome our giants, we can't do it wearing another person's armor. Yes. Yes. What I mean by that, 
I mean that God has called you and anointed you, given you gifts, temperament, personality. He's made you who you are, and you won't prevail and discover your destiny and overcome your giants by trying to be like somebody else and, and receiving their anointing. No, God wants to anoint you and use you the way he's called you to be. That's the way, by being authentically you, you're going to overcome your giants. Don't try and be like someone else. But the second, I think the real point here of the story in David laying aside the armor is there's a bigger theological point going on here. Yes, he had skill. Yes, undoubtedly it was his slingshot that somehow penetrated the armor. But the real point that David himself is making is I'm not going to trust him just my skill. I'm not going to trust in natural weapons. This battle belongs to the Lord, just like it was the Lord who really empowered me to deal with the wild animals. So the Lord's going to take my simple little bit of skill, and he's the one who's going to, through his anointing and his spirit, he's the one who's going to take out this great enemy. And it's the same with us. We don't overcome in our strength, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. We need to recognize that we step out trusting in the power of God. And as we do so, we can do so confident knowing that all our victories and all our battles are based on the fact that the great descendant of David, Jesus Christ, who is our champion, has won the ultimate victory through his death, burial and resurrection. And now we can be safe and secure in him. We can face the battles of life, the Goliaths of our day, knowing that the cosmic eternal battle has been won. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Hallelujah. I'm going to be with God in eternity. Amen. So Lord, anoint us to prevail in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you are a great God. Thank you that you sent your Son to deal with all opposition, and you've empowered us by your Spirit in the name of of Jesus. Amen and amen. God is good.